This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Alright guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast, uh, Thirsty on Quarantine version 2.0. Our topic this week is something that we've kind of, you know, tossed around a little bit and one of our patrons suggested we should talk about in depth, and that is the potential suppression effect that we may see from Double Masters. And we've touched on it briefly in the past, but some things have changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, since the last time we discussed it in the episode, and that's basically where we're going to get going today. Yep. Uh, so it's interesting to think about because not everybody takes the time to really digest what happens when a master set comes out. And you think, oh, well, prices are just going to drop across the board or on some of the hyperinflated cards that are now downshifted from... Uh, mythic to rare or cards that are no longer seeing played uh, play in format so the price will drop accordingly in scenarios like ultimate masters and now double masters what we're seeing is not just price corrections but kind of this interaction in the marketplace where it's almost forcing prices down because of population or in yep. some instances, it's causing all prices across the board for the same style of card to correct, i.e., you know, uh, regular art non-foil are now all standard across the board pricing because of what the double masters and VIP printings have done to this. Yeah. And of course, stock is limited to whatever they were able to print for the time being, so what we might see now might not hold long-term, but we're at a flashpoint right now, and the reason we chose to do it this week is because it just hit consumer hands on August 8th, and we should see quote-unquote peak naturally by about the end of this week, maybe the end of next week. Yeah, and it's also worth noting when we're talking about suppression, we're talking about modern forward. Obviously, Force of Will exists. That's a unique case. Mm -hmm. So, to me, uh, we can leave that one out of the conversation. That's an outlier. Yep. For Force of Will is one of those cards that is effectively reprint proof. Um, but the fact that we're getting these things into people's hands, and at least for me, uh, what I feel like the suppression effect is going to continue to be kind of what we're seeing already where the force of will toppers are going through the roof mm -hmm. everything else is kind of petering off yeah and you know i we typically see suppression with this stuff short term on uh, the last masters set we had we had modern masters 17 where the previous master sets to that and we've had master sets since sorry the previous master sets to that kind of had a three-month suppression window mm hmm and during those three months, everything went down. Master 17 was the first one where you saw the prices start to kind of correct after about a month and a half. You had the Fetchlands, you know, Tarn went from 60 to 30. And then in about a month and a half, it was right, right back, back up, up to 60 again. Yep. So you're seeing the suppression effect kind of get a little bit faster each time. So, or the duration gets shorter, sorry. And what I'm expecting here in Double Masters is on some of this stuff, which... EDH staples, I think we'll yep. see the shorter window. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think the other stuff will have the traditional three-month window, which again, kind of a unique situation right now. Not able to go to in-store events. People aren't drafting double masters, mm-hmm. which would have been insane for the population. Yeah. Um, combined with that, the misinformation that Wizards has distributed, I. How many times have they changed the announcement? Uh, I think that they... was like, oh, sorry, we weren't clear about our product. Yep, uh, three different times at least. Yeah. So now, now, and this is something worth noting, if you call Wizards customer support and you say, hey, uh, I was confused about this, what you can do is literally, if you have a VIP pack, mm-hmm. once you open it, cut the UPC off, mail it to Wizards, they will send you a regular Double Masters pack for every single UPC you send in. So we could see a little bit of extra supply from yeah. that, but I'd anticipate that the suppression isn't quite as bad. No, I think it's going to be a short window for most things. Some things that could take a little longer. Um, I got a, a handful of examples, and I think one of those ones, because it was curious, there's a curious case to begin with, is something like Blightsteel Colossus, where uh, you know it just kind of rode out forever and roped, then spiked very quickly and came back down and is kind of aligning with what we're seeing with the prices on the the card itself for double masters like i said it's kind double masters is kind of forcing into place prices for every version of the card that isn't uh full art or borderless uh foil only printing whatever you want to call it blight steel classes might take the longest because the appeal to this card while obvious the demand for this card is hard to find yeah um we've spent a lot of time trying to figure this out on our own on our own because it's not heavily played according to rec it's not that it's not an unfun card it only kills one person at a time which is totally fair but vintage doesn't power this card so it has to be kitchen table and at that point you know that's invisible to us so to speak yeah um something a little more uh, reliable is doubling season doubling season being in uh, Ravnica Battle Bond and a Judge Promo Modern Masters, it's made it through a number of printing cycles and we can see that it did rebound eventually and yep, and it just keeps not only going up but it also keeps sawtoothing and they're coalescing to be about the same price. Yeah. So Rav is now down from close to 75 way back when. It's sitting at about 61 Battle Bond was a rope forever at you know yeah. 58, which is essentially 61, and then double uh, the Modern Masters sawtooths for a while and eventually settles in at about 59. Basically, the double master printing of doubling season has forced them all to kind of uh, coalesce, and the the biggest drop is really on the regular Rav one. If we zoom in, we see the effect of the eventuality in the, in the Double Masters reprint where it was on its way back up to cresting over 70 and then it just came right back down. Now that the card's in the hands of players, we might see them travel upwards, but they're all going to travel upwards hand in hand. The population yeah. for the card itself across the board is fairly similar. It's Battle Bond is the only one that has uh, way more than every every other printing at 70, 72 prices. Yeah. But... This is the kind of suppression that we're going to really be looking at is some of these things are going to travel hand-in-hand very succinctly together, and we'll see this raise over time. Like they said, that that three-month time where it'll just kind of truck along slowly and then all of a sudden go. Yeah. And then some of them will trough for a while and then take off. 
And I think that that also highlights, again, you know, the power of EDH in the market we're in currently, where mm-hmm. cards like Doubling Season uh, tend to be significantly more liquid, obviously. Yep. Uh, because you've got people basically playing via camera, and that's one of the only formats they can get. And, you know, you'll have stuff like Karn Liberated, which might not be as popular in EDH, but is pretty heavily played in Modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it it may be a while before you see some recovery from that one, honestly. Yep. Just because we don't have modern right now. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to really bump that price up. Yep. And I think that that's worth paying attention to because you've seen Karn over the last year go from a $50, $60 buy list at boost down to 35 now. And that's you know, evidence of this card is going to be suppressed more. So we're seeing less and less of this universal yep. across-the-board suppression like we used to. Because Eternal Masters wasn't just Legacy and Vintage. It had EDH in it as well. Modern Masters were a little bit more focused, obviously. Mm-hmm. But when you get the, you know, A25, Ultimate Masters, Eternal Masters, and now Double Masters, you've got multiple formats. So it's a little bit different. Yep. Uh, I actually have an A25 card. Uh, Avacyn, Angel of Hope, was reprinted in A25, and this is another one, just like Doubling Season, where we can see that the card was headed up. If you check the market value, it's, you know, after Akoria, going pretty strong, and then the average and the market eventually start to come back down, and the same happens with the set version. And they both kind of coalesce at this 45 number. And it's not, the, you know, just because it's the same art for both of them, this card has the same art almost every time it's been printed except for Double Masters and a Judge promo. Yeah. The uh, outside one looking in is kind of the FTV one because people are like on the fence in regards to that foil. And we have fairly similar numbers across the board for this thing, but it at this Double Masters printing has really kind of pulled it back in and put into perspective the fact that we're go- we just got another version of this card. It's going to come out in a... Uh, a box topper, so it'll have an alt art version. There'll be a regular and a foil, and there are going to be a bunch of the regular version printed. So we need to eventually things just kind of settle in naturally to that floor. And this price will remain 45. It'll probably see 50. I'd say uh, around the holiday season, this is a card that yeah. should take the three month window and pop again because it is just a good card. It's a curved topper, if you want to call it that, for white. You know, now that. You know, sure, can't yeah. play Iona anymore. You know that. Apparently, reanimating that on turn two is too difficult for Commander to handle with cards like Chain of Vapor and Swords to Plowshare and Innocent Blood. All these one mana answers. But hey, here we are. You know, the the green deck couldn't kill it, which is the important part. So ridiculous. This is an, another solid EDH card reprinted into Master Set, so it's lived through its cycles. And yeah. we can see that it was on the way up. Then, you know, people got ready for Double Masters. They bought in, and eventually it just started to come back down. We're seeing a real price for this card now, and as people buy in with renewed interest because of Double Masters, the price is more attainable. Eventually it will curve back up. I, I think one of the more interesting thought experiments, like Force of Will, is actually Monocrypt. Because, again, that is a card that has been reprinted in a number of sets over time, which kind of lengthens out that suppression period. Monocrypt stayed very low for a fairly long time, almost two years before it really returned back to where it was. Um, Yeah. And 
you know, then it, it just kind of overtook. But in that time, in that, that period, we got, um, and I'm looking at the what, what's called the media promo, the first printing. So there's the Eternal Masters printing, then the Invention, and it just keeps sliding down to about $100 and eventually pops back up. At, in the same time, we're looking at this trough from basically Shadows, uh, no, Eldritch Moon to Ixalan. You yeah. see basically that same trend with the Eternal Masters monocrypt. It just slides and then eventually comes back up. You know, and that is over a year before this card really starts to recover. This is a very long suppression on this card. And it's not like people weren't buying. It dropped from no. 200 to 100 for the media promo. And the Eternal Masters was all the way down at 60. Right now, you know, if we look at every version of Monocrypt that's on TCG Player, the Double Masters full art is 150, and the, the regular Double Masters is 99. This card has not found its floor according to historics that we have in front of us. So we're going to see another downslide on this card and probably another uh, 12-ish months before it pops again. I don't think it'll take 18 again. No. That this one is a little more expensive, not quite as expensive as Force of Will, but this one, uh, I would assume, takes a lesser amount of time to get there. And it's interesting looking at this compared to Force of Will, because when you look at the reprints that each of these cards have had, it's effectively been the same sets, like the same print runs, we're looking at the same population, mm -hmm. and this is, you know, unrelated side note kind of an instance of playability having to do with the card because obviously you need you know one for edh but you can also play four of them in legacy yes so you've got a little bit more liquidity there as well as demand but when you look at these two it's just odd anomaly to note that same print runs generally on the reprints price suppression window of much shorter on one than the other yep and forcible is going to be interesting as well it and you take a look at the price, and it's exactly what we said. You know, it just... The bottom fell out from underneath it. But what we're seeing at the end on the EMA version of Forcible is that it is correcting back down because of this Double Masters printing. And it took the EMA Force of Will longer to recover than it did Monocrypt. Yeah. It took almost, it looks like, three years to fully recover, somewhere between... Uh, 30 and 36 months to really come back from where it was and legacy was winding down in this time period absolutely so people weren't really moving in at the same time though we also had the invocation printed yeah in in that time period just so just like monocrypt it was just drawn out because of that and now we're looking at a card that slots into a format where it's a one of at best yeah and I don't know if it'll ever return to, to its former glory, Force of Will. We might just see it forever sit, hopefully, around $70. But. Yeah, I, I think it's the type of card that Wizards is comfortable leaving at that price point. Mm -hmm. And I think it gives accessibility, especially for EDH, which obviously, regardless of what they say, EDH sells product. And that's oh, yeah. a reality. So I think that's worth noting there as opposed to something like mana crypt which yeah it's an edh card but it's mostly cedh mm -hmm, mm -hmm. compared to regular so oh absolutely um and i think something else worth touching on uh is something like oublier that was just reprinted 
uh, Oublier just held the price point of a ridiculous number because of Pauper, where it effectively yep. just phases a creature. And we watch it yep. tank over time because the deck kind of falls out. Speculators move out a little bit when Gavin Verity about a year ago said this card would be reprinted, and it finally, you know, saw its heyday and got the reprint. And what we see, again, at Akoria is this initial bump in... Uh, the average and eventually market floats back up on the Arabian Nights version and we're looking at a $30 card which is fine for that the double masters printing is about 4 or 5 dollars and this card this version of this card will remain low now this yeah. I think this is a really good example of price suppression because this will kind of ride into eternity as an uncommon in this set the same thing happened with Path to Exile that card got crushed Kitchen Finks similarly it just took one printing for those four of uncommons at the time in modern, they were all over ubiquitous in the format to drop down from it was like twelve or fifteen dollars for Finks to be uh, three to five. Monomorphos, yep. you can track that as well when it got its reprint. Eventually, Monomorphos did come back stronger than both of those cards because Storm came up, Prowess decks came up, Dredge decks came up where the where it was yep. more valuable as a cycling style card than it was the mana generation. But Oobly, yep. if it's in Popper, this will open up avenues for EDH as well, and this is a great example of a card that is just going to be that is going to remain suppressed by a double masters printing. Yeah, uh, and I think you know the the interesting <clears throat> thing with this set for suppression as opposed to some of the other masters sets they've done, because master sets are notorious for shaking up Popper by downshifting things. You have an absurd number of things that were upshifted in this just yep. to accommodate for the extra rare slot, like Rav Trap, stuff like that, which mm -hmm. at one point was a 5 to $10 sideboard uncommon. Yes. Uh, so I think those days are long gone. And I mean, You say that, you but it was like a little over a year ago that GP Vegas happened. Fair. Yeah. Uh, I. Whereas when you look at a card like Rav Trap as opposed to like a Path to Exile and you talk about the price suppression and being reprint proof, mm -hmm. I think we've reached the permanent floor on Path to Exile, Eternal Witness, Kitchen Finks. Yep. I, I think the permanent floor on Rav Trap is probably like a dollar. And I, I think that the 5 to 10 was a spike there. And in that case, I think it's less suppression, more correction. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's also something to keep in mind when talking about suppression with a set like this is the amount of upshifts. Because they may not necessarily increase the population a lot, mm -hmm. but in many cases they increase it enough. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it, it's something interesting to think about. I the 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 emotion around the upshifts kind of washed over me and, and passed because I I understood why they did it. It made sense because they wanted to fill those slots. They could have done something better with that, and I just kind of let it go. I just didn't really think about it in regards to something like this because I'm used to the downshifting. Yeah. Um, although, so Oriox Salvagers, were they upshifted or downshifted? Uh, they were originally a rare, then moved to uncommon, uncommon in Modern Masters. Yep, yeah. Yeah. They, they downshifted it to what it should be. The, the effect yeah. was not good enough for... Okay. Yep. Yep, uh, Aether Vial similarly upshifted from uncommon to rare to help increase the population of that card without just kind of blowing the doors Destroying off. Destroying it. it. Yeah. Also, I think that's much more appropriate for uh, the effect for it to oh, be yeah. a rare than an uncommon. 
Oh, a absolutely. But they had no idea what they were doing in mirrored and block. With all different types of counters you uh, were throwing. About anything. Fair. <laughs> Disciple of the Vault is a fair and balanced card. All right. It just has sure. some degenerate friends. <laughs> oh, that's that's fair. I'll give you that. So, I, the the suppression effect is going to be real, and I'm sure there are going to be some pri some surprises with this because there's a lot going on in this set, and it's going to ripple for a while, especially as we get more supply on this. Yeah. You know, um, just pulling up Mythic Spoiler because I was curious because I've honestly forgot what was in the set. Uh, uh, and Mono Echoes, or sorry, Mono Echoes is just staring yeah. me back. That's, you know, a pure EDH card, and this is a card that will tank and tank again. Yeah. It is an interesting effect for sure, uh, but I don't see this card reaching the heights it used to. I don't think this that would actually be suppression. I would just think this that would be pure correction. I don't think this card is going to come back after the reprint. Yeah, I mean, there there were times where you could find it in booths for, for you know, 50, 60 bucks, and now you're looking at $25 yeah. low, which is about the right price. So probably around 30 in a booth, whatever. Yeah. So. And they were printed Blasphemous Act, which is suppression. <laughs> I'd also say aggression, but like, it's a good it's card. Fair. Okay. It it's is. a good card. Uh, Blood Moon, another good uh, card that will suppress, uh, because that card I, just... I think that's also one of those cards when you mention about being reprint proof because we've reached a permanent floor on that card of about 10, 15 bucks somewhere in there. Yep. And like, yeah, you're looking at four bucks now. I think long term, it's a $10 card. That's EDH, Legacy, Modern, every format mm -hmm. where that card is legal, it's relevant. So that that is an example. Free pick. Blood Moon at $4 is perfectly acceptable because mm -hmm. once events happen again, it will easily buy list for seven to ten yeah and i don't know if we've mentioned it or not but there is additional equity to be had on blood moon now with the box top or art if you're going if you're the kind of person that wants to play mono red prison you can play four different art for blood moon in your deck now so which you probably are because you're a troll you're that person anyway yeah <laughs> neither here nor there in regards to suppression but it is something you can do if you want to and there's a lot that's going to go on, and it's going to be hard to determine initially what is going to be a price correction, and you know you're seeing the real floor on this card versus what is suppression, because some of these troughs that we will enter will be short cycle. You know, there'll be a quarter, maybe two, and then you'll have some long cycle ones like we touched on with Monocrypt and Force of Will, where those things take take years to recover. And in the interim, they might see additional reprints because that is what WotC has done to cards like that. They are shown to. Yep reprint perpetually cards that they believe should be in a, a format like EDH in any way, shape, or form they can, be it a supplemental or uh, an insert in the form of the Invocations in the Masterpiece series. And so I would expect something like that. Uh, doubling season as well to just kind of remain uh, pretty low for a while and eventually come back. And that's where you'll be able to look back and see that was a price suppression, that was not a correction. This is yeah. where we're moving forward. Some some more legwork you can do to figure out what is and isn't a uh, suppression is also to start taking a look at these cards and say, okay, is this a tournament staple for a format? And then hit something like uh, MTG Top 8 or MTG Dex, Goldfish, 
throw the card in there and see how many results start coming back to see really what's going on with this card. In the yeah. case of a lot of those EDH up-and-comers, the non-staples, something like Mana Echoes, you can take a look and see, all right, if it's really not that popular on Rec, is there any is there a CDH community that can pop into, see if it's there? And if it's not there, then you can say, okay, this is most likely not suppression. This is probably a new floor for this yeah. thing. So I, I think it'll be interesting seeing going forward, but I think we'll see the same trends that have happened continue to happen. They'll just be probably magnified. Yep, so. absolutely. And the, the financial implications here and determining when something finally comes back for real is, re is going to be based on the cycles of product hitting you know, shells. We're yeah. on, what is it, an 18-month or in an 18-month window for uh, print cycles. So, yeah. you know, spring-ish 2021 is when this will kind of, or Double Masters will essentially phase out. So if there's no more demand, we'll stop getting product. But that's a long time to continue getting product for something like this that had just had, like, immediate implications. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will, of note, speaking to a lot of, you know, vendors, stuff like that, uh, in terms of the bigger guys, they cannot keep this product on the shelf, nope. so they are continually getting more in. Mm -hmm. So it is something that, unlike, you know, Jumpstart, uh, or unlike Core 21, we're actually seeing active stock come in, come mm -hmm. in, come in, come in, and hit these places. Yep. So. And th there might be a, a blackout uh, date at some point, but we don't know when that is. They'll just kind of sneak up on us. You know, somebody... Somebody somewhere on Twitter will throw out that Distro has finally decided to push back or started cutting down on orders for this because they're running low and they need to be able to keep up with everybody else. Yeah. And we'll find out on the reg that this has happened. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in early 2021 unless <clears throat> uh, Zendikar is a flop and people just move back to this product as the product yeah. draft the product is for fun a financial vehicle they want to hold on the seal they want to buy into singles etc so I, I could see uh, winter on the 2020 side if not winter on the 2021 side but, for sure all right pickies oh boy here we go right. you want I, to start or you want me to you know i'll go first this time i don't mind okay okay all right so my pick for this week is the onslaught printing of Skirk Fire Marshal. <laughs> so I played this card in Extended Goblins, and it you know would win you the control match, a long game against Madness, or just help you beat out the other Goblins player because you can get to the board faster and just dome them for ten, which is better than trying to attack in with uh, Goblin Pyro Master, which pumps your team, because Skirk Fire Marshal can tap itself, so you only need four other goblins to just deal 10 to everything. So this is a goblin that just kind of sneaks by and floats along. It's not great by itself. It needs friends. So the more generals they make that kind of fit this go-wide theme, the better this card gets. Now, Skirk Fire Marshal has protection from red, so it needs to stick around. You can actually hold pri hold priority and just activate Skirk Fire Marshal a bunch and blast everybody out of the game, which is dope for a goblin stack if you want to kill two yeah. or three people or just draw the game entirely because that's the kind of person you are. Hit everybody for 40 and that's it. Now, the 
card itself hasn't seen a, a ton of play in the history of EDH, but what we got is actually from Jumpstart, again, Muxus. And I know, Muxus is just... Not Muxus is not ruining formats. Muxus is just taking over formats, mainly historic and legacy. Yeah. So, uh, right immediately, Muxus took over the top commanders for Skirk Fire Marshal. But all of these commanders that you're looking at in the Jund colors are just go along with the theme of Go White Goblins, which is exactly what you want. It's a paltry number of decks overall submitted with a mono red commander. Of the top five decks submitted when you uh, run it as a percentage, it only makes up 14% of uh, of cards. Sorry. Scrick Fire Marshal is only in 14% of the decks that make up the entire top five on EDH for Mono Red Generals. So, again, not the most popular theme, but it is another one of these tribes that people do buy into, and you don't need Muxus at the helm. You can run Cranko Mob Boss, that card, yeah. it's like 3 $4. It came out of a number, uh, I think, Merfolk vs. Goblins is in there. It was in uh, an, Earl, an M set, like 14 or 15. It has a, a foil from an intro deck as well. It's a super easy deck to build, right? It's a very easy theme to play, and it's very on-brand for what Goblins does. You're not jumping through a yeah. whole lot of hoops to win these games. You just drop creatures, slam. It's aggressive. It plays really, really well and really easily. So this is also similar to like the Udvara Hellkite pick I made a couple of weeks ago, where yeah. this is the Goblin to end all Goblins, because it, it's your game-ender. You don't need an entire cast and crew to support this thing. You just need enough to just get there and win. The issue that I have with Skirk Fire Marshal as a whole, as a pick, is that it really is kind of you know, to stay on brand here on theme, it is suppressed by the limit the limited run of Jumpstart and the, the availability of Muxus. Yeah. So Muxus is announced, this card goes up, you can kind of see it on stocks. Uh, where is it? You know, it, it sits there for for a while, it tanks, and then it just starts creeping up again uh, recently as people are able to get their hands on Muxus. As this card went up, the demand for Fire Marshal was met, and so CK for about a month was buying these things at a very decent price for the non-foil from Onslaught, and that has dropped to about 80% of what it was prior to this cast. So all the way up until this weekend, it was running about uh, $2, and now we're down below like 80 cents for this. So somebody just filled CK demand. TCG sure. Player is another story. The open market is still clamoring for this. There's 88 unique prices down from 92, but there are only six vendors that have four or more of this card, and they don't have many. I think eight is the most. Yeah. So there are a lot of individuals getting rid of this card. I do think this continues the trend because I do think we will get more uh, jumpstart supply, which means there will be more videos with Muxis as the commander, which means we'll see more Skirk Fire Marshal. Kranko's kind of yeah. played out. You're not going to see a lot of new content around that. It's hard to find new content around goblins, and I don't think a lot of people who want to play this deck are going to go out and search out for brand new goblins content. Yeah, They're just going to look at top generals and kind of move down the list. 
and from that this is a card that I think you can buy in now at the price TCG is asking which is about a dollar fifty each for the most part for the singles if you filter f for four or more it gets up to about 350 really quick I think this card is worth more than that I think it's going to be five dollars but we're not going to see it for a very very long time yeah. I think 12 months at the earliest is the most reliable place you're going to see this card actually start to tick up and supply not be able to de meet demand overall and yeah. it's really it could be sped up if we get more jumpstart thus we get more content surrounding this or somebody just takes skirk fire marshal out for a spin in legacy or something and just starts blowing people away but i think this is a very low barrier to entry spec where you can be happy picking up anywhere from you know two to eight and be happy just holding on to those for some amount of time and then getting out later on. The demand is organic. This is not a spike, and we do not see this card get reprinted that often. Like I said, it was in oh, it's elves versus goblins. That's one of the first dual decks ever. Yeah, and then and reprint then anthology. and anthology. So that's it. It only has set the first dual deck, and then literally the one that one set reprint. Yeah, I don't see it coming uh back. Because they have to dedicate to goblins, and if they put it in a master set, then it can't be a modern master. It's got to be an older format set, unless they want something silly and historic like Muxus. So I think this is fairly safe as well. And I think that's kind of the important part about this, is that you can feel safe holding this for 12 months, investing, like I said, I don't know, maybe 18 to $20, and pick up a small number of play sets, even from individuals. You know, from yeah not just buying eight flat out. I also think looking at the foil population right now, we're sitting at around $10 is low mm -hmm. with a market of 23, which means that these foils have also been sitting here for quite some time. Yep. Um, I think that's, you know, if you're a little bit worried about what if they do a goblin commander deck, which of course they might, who knows, uh, the foils at $10 are still real good for an old star foil, which mm -hmm. even if it gets reprinted, we'll never get that again. Yep. So. But yeah, also something to think about. The the foils are, are absolutely beautiful, and the new border on old art for this card, you can take a look at it. It's on stocks. It's floating around. It looks horrid. Yeah. So. You, you could take the the money you would spend on the regulars and put it into foils, and I also think that that's a fine hold. The foil number didn't budge. Nobody's selling these things to to CK. They're still buying them at about man, it's getting close to arbitrage time. You can almost go yeah, from TCG player to Card Kingdom for the foils. Yeah. So food for great. yeah food for thought there. Uh, I don't like I said I don't know when we'll see it come back for the non-foil, but there was definitely a point in time where we were going to get close to that arbitrage number. Uh, yeah. CK was buying at a dollar seventy-six in credit, and TCG market was a dollar sixty-four when I posted in our Discord. Like I said, since then, and they were buying uh, close to forty, I think. Somebody just threw a ton at them. Yeah. And here we are. It happens. Oh, absolutely, and it just makes the the lifespan on this a lot longer as a spec. But because it's a lot of one ofs, if you're buying from from people on TCG Player, because there's so few selling four or more, I, I think it's fine buying, like I said, a low number, and then you sit and wait for a buy list. Yeah, I like it. 
I think it's a solid choice. I love Old Border, so oh, yeah. obviously I would blindly support any Old Border pick that anybody makes. Uh, but even aside from that, solid choice. Yeah, it, like I said, it's aside from Pyromaster, which people also forget about, I think Skirk Fire, Fire Marshal is also one of, one of the underserved goblins from that block that just can end a game out of nowhere. Yep. All right, your pick. All right, my pick. So this is flavorful, I suppose, since we're on the topic of price suppression and everything that that entails. Uh, I'm actually going for the FNM Lightning Greaves, which is something I had picked prior, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually picking it because, one, we're getting pretty suppressed with the box topper right now, uh, which is around the same price for the foil as the FNM Lightning Greaves are. I think that what we're looking at here is a case of an old promo that right now is suppressed because of what else is out there, because there's more supply, there's another you know, hot version of the card that meets your high-end sparkle shiny need. Yep. I think there's going to be less FNM product. So in terms of population in the world, it's lower. Mm -hmm. I think that it's a better art, and we are below where buy list on this card was six months ago right now. Uh, six months ago, you could buy list at a booth for anywhere from 25 to $29. We're looking at, like... $19 retail right now. Yes. So it's a good opportunity to get in on it. It's something that I think the buy list is going to recover because, again, I think it's an option of, oh, we have new options at our disposal, so let's go for that. I think what you'll see is obviously the masterpiece priced out of your affordable, low end, good looking stuff. And you'll see a fight between the FM and the box topper. And I genuinely, firmly believe the FNM looks better. It's got a better foiling, lower support, better art, everything about it. Yep. And I think it's the type of thing that even if, you know, when we talk about reprint proof cards, I mentioned Eternal Witness, Kitchen Fence, etc. Greaves is pretty reprint proof. It's five. It's a five dollar bill. Yep. One. Always for a non-foil version. I think that it should be a twenty-five dollar bill always for a foil version and that's just the reality of it so if you can get in for less than that you should a mm -hmm. 25 dollars buy list is something i'd expect within about six to eight months depending how double masters pans out because right now on card kingdom they are paying for the fnm foil 1650 cash 2145 credit which means you can actually arbitrage a couple of these and make money if you go from cash to credit mm -hmm. Uh, which is a really good flashpoint to be at and kind of get in on things. You know, they're buying 10 right now at that, and there's only 17 total listings on TCG for LP or better. So I think yeah. it's a good opportunity. I don't understand why this card wasn't worth more to begin with as an FNM promo. A lot of them from that era just don't have the same or don't have the value yeah. one would expect. Uh, like Kitchen Finks isn't worth uh, that much. I don't the duress and the brainstorm are obviously but there's just some we some oddly priced alternate art fnm promos whose population is extremely low and yeah. it for whatever reason despite the fact that this card is ubiquitous in both commander edition printings but also play that the fnm promo is worth 20 and never really crested is it like 28 dollars 
Yeah. And it, it has gone up steadily over time. The the lifespan on this thing has seen, you know, an ever increasing price, but it just seems artificially low for what it is and where it should be. So it's nice to repick and remind people that, you know, with the new art these are this is competing, but you know, keep abreast of the fact that this is still a decent place to enter and still something decent to to look at. If you want to tuck money away in lightning greaves, yeah. this is the eminently really most approachable version. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's something that is as long as EDH and Magic is around, it will have liquidity to it as well. Mm-hmm. Which I think, you know, with some of these old promos, a lot of people are a little bit sketchy about getting into them because it's like kind of a niche market. The liquidity isn't necessarily there. Yep. You know, it, there's a world of difference between getting an FNM Lightning Greaves and specking on that and getting like FNM Goblin Ringleader. You know, so I think definitely definitely in my opinion a very safe pickup yep uh i absolutely agree uh you know i gave you a little bit of a hard time but i think it's worthwhile to dredge some of these up for not just the reminder but and you're bringing back the top of top of heap but when you have the opportunity to say okay look we're finally getting a competing version it's coming in at the same price point it's time to review what we picked and why and this is why we still feel or don't about this pick yeah so uh and i you know obviously still feel strongly about it and i think that it's something that will continue to do well because it's not like you know lightning greaves is kind of like soul ring got an egh deck you're probably putting it in there yep absolutely yep i i I like the pick and i will forever until it probably crests 40 or 50 dollars and we need to stop picking it because we've we've done what we need yeah exactly between now and then yeah if you want to own a fancy copy yeah if you want to own a couple fancy copies of lightning greaves i i agree this this is the way to to do it you know the box topper is going to be a little more ubiquitous because of the way the math is working out with the vip packs and now with being able to trade in the upcs for regular double masters packs we're going to see a lot more of that come through than we will from the just natural population of old fnm promos that also yeah. makes it safe so uh, i get i like it then i like it now yeah i think that's going to be it for us this week guys uh as always you can catch us on twitter at mtg cabalcast on patreon at mtg cabalcast facebook at mtg cabalcast uh, i am at halt i am reptar on twitter you are at thirsty sizzler we would like your comments continuously on twitter and our youtube videos we respond as often as we can we'll catch you next week